0: Three simple steps to a fairy tale summer. And I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777.
1: See you there. See okay. you are profession.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really glad this is all happening with Greta and not like
1: with somebody like intimidating. <laughs> like and, <I> don't know. <laughs> somebody like who's like, the real deal. I'm just, you know, kind of along for the ride.
0: You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hey, 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 Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 62 of the Read Aloud Revival. So happy to have you joining me today. You're going to love today's show. Seriously, you guys, I bought a boatload of books on air while recording this episode. Today's guest just is inspiring like that. You'll see what I mean in a moment. Uh, hey, the Read Aloud Revival team and I are putting together a Q&A episode and we want to hear your questions. So here's how you can leave us one. Go to readaloudrevival.com and then scroll down to the bottom of the page. You'll see a place for your kids to leave messages for the Let the Kids Speak portion of the podcast. You hear that at the end of every episode where kids tell us about their favorite books that have been read aloud to them or that they've been reading love that part But now you'll also see a place on there where you can leave a message. So do you have a question you'd like us to answer? Or maybe you want a book recommendation, a read aloud recommendation for your family based on what you've read aloud before and have liked or what you've read aloud before and didn't like. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to feature your question and answer it on air. So head to readaloudrevival.com to leave us a message. We're going to be pulling from those soon. So go leave a message for us super soon so that you don't miss out on the opportunity. And we want to hear... Uh, What you have questions about, so we can answer them. Also, if you haven't been to readaloudrevival.com lately, you should go check it out. We have tons of book lists there picture books for different months of the year, we have book lists for kids and big families, book lists for boys, book lists for girls, Uh, books that are great for when you're just starting to read aloud, chapter books and novels, like moving up from picture books. Um, Goodness. We have so many book lists, and if you haven't been to the website lately, you're probably missing out on some of the best free resources we've got. So make sure if you haven't in a while, you visit readaloudrevival.com. While you're there, visit the Read Aloud Revival shop to find our really awesome book bags, mugs, and t-shirts. That's one of the best ways you can support the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Okay, you ready for today's show? Yeah, me too. One thing I know is that a lot of us parents want to inspire a love of nature in our kids. Some of us already love nature, but some of us don't and wish we did. Maybe it just wasn't an affection that was cultivated in our lives when we were young. On today's show, I'm going to chat with Greta Eskridge about how we can inspire a love of nature through, can you guess, (laughs) children's books. (laughs) Of course, right? Now, this is the second time Greta has been on the Read Aloud Revival. She was on the show for episode 42, which is one of the most highly downloaded episodes we've ever done. And we talked about the inspiring parents in children's literature and how reading kids' books can help us be better parents. If you have not heard that show yet, you want to go to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 42. But today, we're going to talk about inspiring a love of nature in our kids through books. So, you'll probably recognize Greta from her Instagram account. She's Ma and Pa Modern. She's also got a fabulous website. And if you haven't met her before, you're going to love her. Everybody loves Greta Eskridge, and that is a fact. <laughs> Greta, welcome <laughs> back to the Read
1: Aloud Revival. I am so happy to be chatting with you today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's just a dream come true to be on your show and get to talk about books with you. I love it. I'm so glad to be back.
0: Well, I know the first time you and I did a show, one of the first comments we saw, and then it just kept being repeated was, oh, I hope you have Greta back on to talk about books and nature and and inspiring that love of nature and our kids through books. And so I thought, okay, let's do it. So here we are. I'm really glad we're doing it today. Yeah, me
1: too. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So
0: tell me a little bit about that. So why is this something that you feel so passionate about?
1: Well, from the time I was little, I always felt a really strong pull to be outside, to be in nature. I loved the outdoors and it was just this part of my heart that was calling for it. And I lived in a fairly rural town in Southern California, which is not necessarily the norm down here, but I didn't have necessarily like the ability to go out and you know go on long hikes every day or even, you know, once a month with my family. And so the kind of nature I wanted, like really wild and to just be out where it was you know, there were woods and big hills and rocks to climb. That wasn't really available to me. And so I had this longing and I filled it by being able to be in my tree house. We did have a tree house in the backyard. Our dad built us and we had half an acre, which is a lot of property for Southern California. And I would go out and read books in the tall grass in the springtime. And, and there would be wild poppies blooming. And that was really wonderful. But I still longed for even more. So I filled that void, the longing for knowledge of nature and experience in nature with books. And um, I just feel like there are other moms and other kids who have the same feelings and experience as I did. And so I want to share with them how books can fill the void.
0: I love that so much because I feel like that's a, a story that's kind of common for a lot of us that we didn't have that ability to get out in nature as much as we wanted as a child. For my own self, I really didn't. Spend much time in nature as a child because I didn't think I liked being in nature. As an adult, I realized that is not even remotely true. I think I just wasn't out enough to fall in love with it. Or I just hadn't had enough experiences with it, with my family to, I don't know, realize how important it was for me and how nourishing and fulfilling it was for me to be out in nature. But I think a lot of times we have these obstacles that make it hard. You know, like you said, location, if we're not near in an area where... It's easy to get close to nature or weather. Mm-hmm. In the winter months up here in the very Northwest, it is cold and snowy and icy and uh, just a huge part of the world is very cold for half of the year, right? And so it makes it really, right. really hard to get outside and enjoy being in nature. I think a lot of us have sort of fears around nature, like mm-hmm. the creatures we're going to <laughs> maybe
1: stumble right. upon. And um,
0: right. so those are all kind of things that make it hard for us to to get out. So I'm really excited about to hear what you have to say about that.
1: Right. I think, you know, that was a part of those were parts of limitations we had as well. I had, we had, for one thing, just a real practical aspect of getting to go out and experience nature is for a lot of us, you need a car to drive, <laughs> to drive there. If it's not in your back yard, which for many of us, it's not, you, you need to at least be able to drive to a trailhead to be able to hike. And um, growing up, my family, we did not have a lot of money. We often had only one car, which my dad used to drive to work. And so unless it was something we could walk to, to hike, we weren't going to be able to go there. And so that was a practical limitation. And then also my mom, I love her dearly and she loves gardening and she loves to be outside in that capacity. But hiking or camping without my dad, that was not (laughs) going to (laughs) happen. she's just not the adventurous kind of gal in that way. And so for her, even if it was a day where we did have a car, I can't imagine her saying, Hey, kids, we're going to go for a hike. Let's go. That would have been just outside of her toolbox. And so that was a, a limitation as well. But what she did do was she gave me books to read that were seeped in nature. And I think that fueled the desire that I had to be out in nature because the books I read just made it so magical. And, and it was just, it was so wonderful and romantic and beautiful. And I thought, I want to be like that. I want to be Anna Green Gables walking in, you know, to the Lake of Shining Waters and, mm-hmm. and through these beautiful spots in Avonlea that she gets to be in Dry Dad's Bubble and, and all those places. I wanted that. And so the desire that was already in my heart, was fueled by the books that I read. And then in turn, when I I couldn't be out as much as I wanted, they filled that hole. I mean, come on, books are just so great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They do fill that hole. That is is one of the things that has surprised me a little bit. So we live up in Spokane, Washington. And in the winter here in Spokane, it is just snow and ice for months and months on end. And my 13-year-old is my biggest nature lover. And it's hard, I think, for her to live in a place that's so cold and wintry for mm-hmm. so long. But she loves reading books that are set or have a you know a large nature component to them, or using illustrations and books to draw pictures and sketch and things right. like that. So it fills that that desire of hers to be in nature when it's a little bit less you know possible or enjoyable <laughs> to be outside. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of books did you read as a kid that you think were the most I don't know, impactful for you, with your love of nature? Well,
1: I already mentioned Anna Green Gables and I read everything Lucy Maude Montgomery wrote. Mm-hmm. I literally read every single book she wrote multiple times. <laughs> and she is a great nature lover because there's a ton of nature in her books, not just the descriptions of, you know, Avonlea and Prince Edward Island, but there's, you know, details of the names of flowers and of the birds and, and the flora and fauna that are in her books are great. And it doesn't feel like a textbook. It's just part of the story, which a lot of really great books that incorporate nature, That's it's just part of the narrative. And I love that. I also loved the book. I feel like I'm, I don't remember if I've talked with you about this book before. It's called Mandy. Have you ever read Mandy? I don't think so. Do you know Mandy? Uh-uh. Oh, you've got to read this book. It's by Julie Andrews of... Sound of Music fame. What? And yes. How do I not know about she this calls, book? You're going to love it. You're going to go order it today. <laughs> oh, I might be doing that right now. Not that I'm admitting um, to that or anything. <laughs> she, she uses, when she writes, she uses the name Julie Edwards. So that's why some people might not know. It is Julie Andrews. She's one in the same. And this book, Mandy, was actually one of my favorite. I can't tell you how many times I read it. It's about a little girl who's An orphan and she lives in an orphanage and she craves nature and she sneaks out of the orphanage over a wall and go, which is against the rules. But there's a little bit of, you know, adventure in that. And so she goes into the forest that's behind the orphanage and she finds this little abandoned cottage and she fixes it up and she plants flowers and she makes it her own place because she longs for her own place because she lives in an orphanage. She longs for nature I mean, as a little girl, that story, just—it, I wanted my own little place to fix up. I wanted a garden to plant. I wanted to have my own space in nature. And I identified with her, even though, of course, I wasn't living in an orphanage and I had a home of my own. But still, there was just so many elements of the story that I identified with. And it's a great story. And all my kids boys and girls love it. It's a great book. So that was a big one.
0: I am looking because um, I'm putting it in my Amazon cart uh-huh. right now. <laughs> <laughs> there are a whole bunch of books. How did I not even know this? I am like right now just picking my jaw up off the ground and I'm putting massive amounts of books in my Amazon cart.
1: I'm <laughs> <And you're> talking. <laughs> Wow, I feel like I just um, sort of had like a really a major moment, like a milestone moment in life that I get to share a new book with you. <laughs> oh, my God. That goodness. doesn't happen very often. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Okay. Okay. So, Sorry. yeah. So Keep there's talking. Manny, Anne of Green Gables. I know we're, we're geeking out. You and I maybe shouldn't do podcasts together. <laughs> <laughs> we could sit here and go shopping all day. <laughs> books and books and books. <sighs> So of course there was like, you know, Caddy Woodlawn and there was all the Little House in the Prairie books, Little House in the Big Woods, Farmer Boy. But then there were other books too, like My Side of the Mountain. You're familiar yes. with My Side mm-hmm. of the Mountain, right? That book I read multiple times. I kind of wanted to run away and live in a tree, just like Sam did. <laughs> and I read all of those books. And even books like Little Women and books that were Wind in the Willows, which, Those are not necessarily books that, like again, like I said, it's not like the emphasis or the focus of the book is nature, but the story, the writers were so familiar with nature and they obviously had a love for it, that it just came out in their writing descriptions and it's just there. I have so many books that I feel like I could just give you a, a laundry list of books. That's just scratching the surface. And that's just the kind of Chapter books, older books. There are picture books as well for littler kids. Books that I've learned about since I've become a mom. So new books that I've introduced to my kids. There's a lot out there. There's a lot. Well, okay, so if you're listening to this
0: and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I want to know all these books, (laughs) we'll have links in the show notes. And Greta herself will actually have a post up on her website. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. So if you go to readaloudrevival.com and you look for episode sixty-two. We'll have a link straight to Greta's site. We'll have all the books that we talk about in today's show right there, so you don't have to stop what you're doing and write them all down because you won't be able to do anything right. else by the
1: time we're done here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, we're definitely gonna send you guys shopping. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. Book shopping. Here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love this quote by Gladys Hunt. She um, wrote "Honey for a Child's Heart" and is one of my favorite authors, and just really talks about she captures the importance of bringing books into your children's lives. And this book, I think really sums up this idea that I'm talking about of incorporating nature into your kid's life and building a love of nature for them through books. She says, a good book is a magic gateway into a wider world of wonder, beauty, delight, and adventure. Books are experiences that make us grow that add to our inner stature. And that quote just says it all that books open up the world to us. And so even books like The Yearling, which is one of my all-time favorite books. And even though I'm never going to be able to... Well, maybe I will someday. (laughs) But right now, thus far, I have not camped in the evergreen glades of Florida and watched the cranes do their magic dance that they do that's described in the book, The Yearling. But because I've read that book and I have saw it through Jody the character's eyes, and I've read the beautiful description, it's opened up a world to me that I would not have known otherwise. And so that's what Gladys Hunt is talking about. That's what books can do for us. They introduce us to worlds that we might not get to see otherwise.
0: That's so beautiful and really inspiring. I think for those of us who are in a season of life where maybe getting out in nature isn't we can't do it as often as we'd like. I really love how this is a way for us to help our children develop and love for like cultivate that love for nature right. in a way that we can all do all year round at home, very simply just through the pages of a book. It's really
1: right, encouraging. Right. Yeah. I feel like for me, because I had this desire as a child, when I had kids of my own, I really wanted to cultivate it in them as well. And For me, it's been easier to get out in nature with them because I don't have as many of the limitations that were there on me when I was a child. But when my kids were little, I mean, there was a time when I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn and going for a hike that was of any length or any level of difficulty seemed (laughs) impossible. Hmm. And so we just we might, you know, experience nature by going to the park or if I was feeling really ambitious, we would go to the nature center where there were paved trails or very easy trails to manage with a bunch of little kids. But we also just read a lot of books about kids, about nature, and we enjoyed falling in love with nature through picture books. I love Mrs. Rumphius. I do, too. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, right. She just. Books like that, books like The Little Island and Make Way for Ducklings, those are books that just as a little child you you love those sweet animals, you love seeing you love seeing nature that maybe you don't see in your own neighborhood. And that was sort of where I started with my kids as they were little. And then that we've built from there.
0: Yeah, I think picture books are a really easy way to start. I'm thinking of there are so many picture books that really. Yes. I mean, anything by Robert McCloskey. You mentioned Make Way for Ducklings." Mm-hmm. One Morning in Maine is another one. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all just they're all taking place outside. And the pictures and the text are woven together so beautifully to kind of help you fall in love with wherever the book is taking place.
1: Blueberries for right. is another one. Um, right. Do you know the the books by Thornton Burgess? He wrote the Burgess Bird book. Yes. And, he um,
0: is one of my all time Favorite children's authors. I absolutely
1: adore him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've spent, we live near the ocean. So we spend a lot of time tide pooling. And um, I get messages from moms all the time who say, I live in the middle of the United States. We're so far from the ocean. How can I show my kids the tide pools? And one of my favorite books is actually for tide pooling is actually by Thornton Burgess and it's the Burgess Seashore book. And he talks about all these different creatures that live at the seashore birds and he's you know famous for his bird book but not just birds crabs and sand dollars and sea stars all in their you know he anthropomorphizes them is that the correct word yeah yeah when he take <laughs> all right woo. it's early i haven't I had all my coffee yet i'm not sure if i said that word right okay so they take on you know human characteristics and they talk and It's such a great way to experience life at the seashore if you can't get there yourself. So that's been one of my favorite books for my kids when they were little. And we still actually use it now. And I have a 13-year-old. That's so good.
0: Thornton Burgess is one of the authors who I think is best when you're moving from always... Like I always enjoy when I read Thornton Burgess. But I mean, especially Mm -hmm. when... You're moving from just reading picture books to wanting to add some Mm -hmm. longer narrative. I think there's some of the best longer, you know, chapter books, beginning chapter books to read aloud. My kids love them at all ages. But I love even Mm -hmm. though he gives those human characteristics to his characters, they still retain so much of what's true about the animal. So you're still learning so much about nature. And for someone like me who just felt like I grew up not knowing much about nature at all, I've gotten a lot of my education through really delightful books like Thornton Burgess's And we'll have some links to Thornton Burgess' books as well. There are some really good audio versions. And there are some ways that you can listen and read Thornton Burgess' for free online as well. So we'll make sure those are in the show notes.
1: Oh, good. I don't even necessarily know about those audio ones. So I'm excited to check those out.
0: Yeah. And I really think I really prefer audio when it's read by a single narrator. So I usually prefer to listen on Audible. There are some good Audible versions of Thornton Burgess's books at good prices. But there are mm-hmm. some free versions on LibriVox as well. So if purchasing a Audible version doesn't work, there's some free ones as well. It's just that they, a lot of times oh, in those free versions on LibriVox, the chapters are read by different narrators and depends on how much that gets on your nerves. <laughs>
1: it drives me crazy, but some people right, don't mind it. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I totally get that.
0: We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word FAIRYTALE, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word "fairy tale" all one word, to the number 33777.
1: Yeah, and then, then one last book that younger set to older that I didn't know about when I was a kid, but have learned about this author and his amazing books since I became a mom are the books by Holling Clancy Holling, and he wrote Men of the Mississippi, which is about a turtle who travels down the Mississippi River, and you learn so much about nature through this book. It's unbelievable. And then you also have a it's also a story. So, I actually use books like Men of the Mississippi and other books that Holly Clancy Hauling wrote for nature study for my kids, like as a science book, but it's told in a narrative way. So, it's so engaging.
0: Yeah. So, it feels like it's just fun read aloud time, but you're actually getting science. Exactly. I know Rhea Berg from Beautiful Feet Books has written a guide for the Hauling Sea Hauling books for geographies where parents can use Mm -hmm. the books just telling the stories and. Doing some work with maps and thinking about a few things that are told in the stories to use it to teach geography. So that's just that is a perfect example of a book that can do like double or triple duty and just be really delightful. It does,
1: yeah, right. And another one that he wrote about the tide pools is Pagu. There's different people pronounce it differently, but I have said Pagu, so I may be wrong. But it's about a little crab who lives in the tide pools, and that's another great book that teaches you. It's this. I've used it as a science book. And it's a narrative at the same time. And we learned more. I learned more about the life in the tide pools and marine biology from that book than I did from my marine biology class in college. So that says a lot. That is <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Nature Study Through Books is really wonderful. It's a wonderful tool. If you can't get to those places yourself, you can use a book. It's a great way to engage in nature study.
0: And that is really fantastic because I'm thinking about where our listeners live, which is all over the world. But let's just take someone who lives near you in Southern California. You have a particular climate that looks very different from mine up in the Northwest, that looks different from Mm -hmm. somebody who lives in the Rockies, lucky, and the people who live um, up in the Northeast. I mean, we all have such different climates, and we can't give our children the hands on, really like in person immersion experience in all these different climates. But I was just thinking as you were talking about. Listening for Lions, which is a middle grade novel by Gloria Whelan. And it is not at all like a book about the climate of Africa. But Mm -hmm. when you're reading the book, the first few chapters that take place in Africa, she does such a good job of placing you in that setting that I feel like I get the experience of maybe what it feels like to live there way more than I can here in Spokane, Washington. And that's exactly what books do. They transport us and give us this experience that we might not otherwise have a chance to have.
1: Right. Yeah. Like I mentioned the yearling. So, you know, I actually did spend two summers in Flor, well, two, parts of two summers in Florida in the Everglades, but the emphasis there wasn't spending time in nature. We were immersed in it, but that wasn't the emphasis. So I didn't get to study the whooping cranes or learn about the different plants that were in the swamp around us. And when I read the book, "The Yearling," I was able to experience the nature there in a way that taught me so much, or the Secret Garden, when I haven't been to the moors of England, and I don't know there you know how cold and lonely and wild it is or how beautiful it is there in the springtime. But when I read the Secret Garden, I feel like I'm there and I'm learning so much about the nature that is there by simply reading this book and What I've actually done with my kids is we've read different books like The Yearling or The Secret Garden or Swiss Family Robinson is we've taken the books and we've nature journaled through the books. And it's been a really great way for us, even though in Southern California, we have access to mountains, deserts, oceans, it's all relatively close to us. So we have a wide variety of nature. There's still so many things that we don't have here. And By reading books, we can get into different kinds of nature and even nature journal about it. Although we haven't experienced it personally, we're experiencing it through books.
0: Okay, so you nature your way through a story that you're reading. So let's just give me an example, maybe pick one and kind of how would you do that? Okay. What would that that look like?
1: So we actually did Swiss Family Robinson with our homeschool group as a, a book club read. Our homeschool group has a book club and We read a book together, all of the kids, all the families, and then we have a meeting and a book club celebration, and we come together and talk about the book. So when we were reading Swiss Family Robinson together, there is so much nature in that book. Animals, plants, minerals that they find, like they find salt and they cure it and they grow flax and they turn it into cloth and sew clothes out of it. and from the first chapter, I said to the kids, okay, we have to nature journal through this. So we went through it. And as I would read aloud to them, I would jot down and those kids that were able to would jot down any animals, plants, birds, any nature thing that they heard, we would jot it down just on a little scrap piece of paper. And then maybe the next day or later on in the week, we would get out our nature journals and I would write on a whiteboard all the different things we had heard in that reading. And we would look them up and we would find pictures of them. We would find characteristics and learn about that particular plant or animal. And then they would choose what they wanted to draw from that list into their nature journal and would write down maybe little bits of information that they found interesting about that plant or animal, a picture of it, its name. And by the time the book was done, there's this big chunk of nature that we discovered as we read Swiss Family Robinson.
0: Okay. So you would jot them down and then I think I'm not sure if you said this and I missed it or not, but you did they go like look those things up in a like a field guide or online or just through the illustrations of the book or how would that what does that
1: piece look like? Yes, we didn't do it while we were reading because when I'm reading aloud, just as I am very bothered by interruptions, (laughs) my (laughs) kids are bothered by interruptions. And so if I were to stop, like, oh, okay, Flamingo, let's look that up. It would drive them insane. Mm -hmm. And especially because that book had so much in it, we would have been interrupting ourselves constantly. So we just wrote it down as we read. And then the next day or a few days later, I wrote all of the information down or all the the names that we came up with on a board, like a whiteboard in our house. And then we would research them. So we would look up, you know, characteristics, pictures, because some of the things we had no idea. What does this thing look like? Is this even real? Um, (laughs) And Because some stuff in Swiss Family Robinson, we definitely learned that was a really fun observation as we read the book, actually, because the kids have this incredible list of animals and plants. And my kids said, there is no way all of these animals lived in the same place. (laughs) And so it was a great time for them to learn about how sometimes in a book of fiction, the author might take liberties. And (laughs) um, that doesn't mean that the book is not a great read and we can't enjoy it, it actually just made the book a little more fun because we could then kind of laugh about the times like, oh, well, sure, that animal wouldn't live with this animal. But we still learn so much from it.
0: Yeah, that's really funny. One thing I've noticed that you've... You haven't said this outright, but one thing I've noticed in what you've been saying is that all of the books you've mentioned are really good stories on their own. So you're not just reading yes. them because you're trying to input scientific information about nature into your children, but you're letting them get lost in a really good story where nature is just part
1: of the beautiful backdrop. Right. Exactly. I think we learn so much more reading a story because we care about the characters. We care about the story. than if we're just reading a textbook, it just does not touch our hearts in the same way. And when I can touch my kid's heart, that makes them want to learn more. It makes them care about what they're learning. And for me the best way to reach their heart has been through stories.
0: That's so beautiful. It's really, I think it's just so true that the way we cultivate an affection is not through transferring facts. So you don't really hear about people falling in love with biology because they're reading a biology textbook and they're taking notes and writing diagrams. Near so much as like you can hear the passion and enthusiasm and what you just said, caring about the characters and caring about what
1: happens in the story Well, the book that I mentioned, Pagu by Holling Clancy Holling, that I took a marine biology class and I thought it was interesting and I learned, but I really didn't love it. But when we read Pagu, I fell in love with marine biology in a way that did not happen when I took a class with a professor who had great amounts of knowledge. And we learned a lot in that class, but it did not touch me in the same way as the story about this little crab who is fighting for his life in the tide pool it's it's just a very different experience when you care about a character even a character that's just a crab
0: if you were going to encourage a mom who wanted to start being more intentional about bringing books that have a nature element or that could inspire that love of nature in her children which I know, you know, a million books and this is probably asking you a torturous question, but do you have, could you ramble (laughs) off a few of them that you think besides the ones you've already mentioned, that might be a good fit for somebody who's just wants to get her dip her toe in?
1: Well, I think some fun ones to start with that wouldn't even feel to your children or to yourself like, oh, I have there's so much nature in this book. It's overwhelming, but it's just embedded in the story would be something like Charlotte's Web or Heidi those books are steeped in nature and it's part of the narrative it's part of the story and you love those characters the call of the wild by jack london my son absolutely loved that book and all my kids did but i had one in particular that loved that and we learned a lot about life in you know the arctic north that is very different from our life here and so much of nature in that book for little kids i love a tree is nice which is a real simple book, but it's just such a sweet book about trees, which you think, oh, how interesting can trees book? But a book about trees be, but that book is so sweet and really caused me as a kid to stop and look around and really pay attention to trees instead of just pass by them. The Big Snow, mm-hmm. and we already mentioned Mrs. Rumphius. that's such a great book. And Time of Wonder, which is a Robert McCloskey book that I'm not sure as many people know about as make way for ducklings but that is a beautiful book. I remember reading it with my oldest son and he was only probably about 6 years old and the book is so beautiful and so moving that both of us had tears in our eyes by the time we were done and I knew wow <laughs> this book is making my 6 year old have tears in his eyes. This is a great book. Wow. It really yeah. is touching hearts. So and I love poetry too. Poetry is a huge uh, I know Poetry isn't necessarily storybooks, but I think poetry is a great way also to introduce nature to kids. And there's so many great poems that are great for little kids. The poem Fog by Carl Sandberg and he talks about the fog coming into the city on little cat feet and the, the picture that creates for our kids in their head. The Eagle by Alfred Lord Tennyson, my kids memorized that poem and did a, a nature journal entry. We learned about eagles, we drew one and we memorized the poem and they wrote the poem on their nature journal page and it was such a simple lesson but really made them care about learning about eagles because the way that it's described in the poem is so powerful and beautiful so i think poetry is another great way besides picture books besides chapter books there are so many different ways to bring nature into your kids lives
0: Okay, so that leads into something else that you and I didn't talk about ahead of time, but we're just going to, I want to ask your opinion on here anyway. <laughs> okay. just gonna throw it right. on my job. So we're talking about nature journaling, and I know that for a lot of parents, the idea of nature journaling sounds amazing, but they don't really know where to start. It feels really intimidating. Maybe they're not very good at drawing themselves, or they don't really know how to kind of get started. And so I thought we've been talking about storybooks that really capture our children's imagination and foster that love of nature. What about books that can help us help our kids learn how to nature journal or help us nature journal and get better at seeing nature and drawing it or making notes about it? Like, for example, one of the books that just popped into my mind, or one of the authors, rather, is Claire Walker Leslie. Are you familiar with her work? I don't think so. Okay. She's written... You might know some of the when She's written The Nature Connection, an outdoor workbook, Keeping a Nature Journal... Discover a whole new way of seeing the world around you, the curious nature guide.
1: Okay, yes. Okay, I have I have seen those. Yes.
0: Okay, so she has you know in those books she'll have examples of her own nature books or others and some tips on like drawing leaves or drawing trees. Mm -hmm. One of the books my my nature loving thirteen year old uses all the time is the tree book for kids and their grown ups. Have you seen this book? Mm-hmm. It is
1: no, beautiful. but it sounds great. I
0: love the title. Okay, it is so beautiful and it's basically a field guide, a really beautifully illustrated field guide where there are all these trees and it points out kind of the differences between the bark and the leaves and how you can figure out which tree is which. And the illustrations are beautiful, but they're also simple enough that my daughter can replicate them fairly closely. Mm. And so they'll she's taking a botany class with her homeschool co-op right now and they'll go learn about certain kind of tree. And she'll come home and she looks it up in this tree book for kids and their grownups and paints it or draws it. It's beautiful. I mean, you could just sit with that book. That's a nonfiction book. You could just lose yourself in for a while. It's very, very beautiful. We'll have links to those in the show notes as well.
1: I want to hang out with your daughter. (laughs) You two would get along just fine. (laughs) Oh, I love her already. Wow. I think that nature journaling is such a great tool for teaching science to kids. But you're right. It is so intimidating. And I actually wrote a blog post called Inspiring the Reluctant Nature Journaler because I think sometimes nature journaling can even be like a little bit like enter the realm of snootiness. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like in homeschooling circles, like, oh, you don't nature journal? Wow. Like, are you
0: a really a homeschooler?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, or do you want to see my pages?
0: No, thank you, because they right. will make me feel
1: inadequate um, about my own. <laughs> Exactly, or you're a mom who doesn't nature journal well. You know that's like you're in like the lower echelon of homeschooling because you don't you don't nature journal yourself. And I just can't stand that, partially because I don't nature journal myself in the traditional way. So I had to write a a blog post to defend um, my point of view, which is not everybody is going to nature journal in the same way or enjoy it in the same way. So Mm -hmm. I wrote about it, and I'll give you the link so you can link to it. Because I think there are different ways that kids and adults maybe want to interact with nature and then journal about it. So for me, I really love taking pictures, photographs. My artistic skills are beyond subpar. They're non-existent. <laughs> and so I, will, I love to take photographs of the things we see in nature. I research them and then I share them with my kids and I write about them. And that's the way I enjoy nature journaling. And I think if you had a kid who didn't want a nature journal at all because they are so stressed out trying to draw or paint, maybe you could offer them the opportunity to, to take pictures or to even print up pictures from the internet, cut them out and write about them. There's so many different ways to let kids engage with nature and to nature journal that doesn't necessarily mean they have to draw. Some kids love that, but if If a kid doesn't or a mom doesn't, it's okay. You're allowed (laughs) to nature journal in other ways. Yeah. And some books that we love for nature journaling, the book Nature Anatomy, and I sadly do not have the author's name right here in front of me. It's in another room. Let me see if Um, I can
0: find it here because I am
1: She wrote Nature Anatomy and Farm Anatomy. We use nature anatomy. Does that sound right? Yes, yes. Those books are phenomenal. They're beautifully illustrated. And they're almost always how I introduce any nature study we do. We're studying rocks right now. So I used her little section about rocks, minerals, and the different parts of the earth to introduce our study of rocks. We've you are done doing very we... bad
0: things to my Amazon cart right now. <sighs> she I'm also, sorry. <laughs> she also has one year called old. Food anatomy.
1: <laughs> Yes. Okay. Your 13 year old is gonna love those books. Okay. So okay. tell her that is my gift to her. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, so that's one of our favorite. And then I also love for field guides, I love vintage books. That's a whole nother like side conversation we could have. I really love vintage books. So I love <laughs> have the, to have you back. The, um, <laughs> sorry, the vintage golden books. And there's a whole series of field guides, the golden field guides, and They've reprinted a lot of them so you don't have to hunt them out on Etsy to find the vintage ones. just look for even the, the newer ones. And they're great because their illustrations are beautiful, so they're fun to just flip through for my kids. And they have them on so many different little. Each book is, you know, focuses on flowers or birds or rocks or pond life. And it's great to just have those out and the kids can flip through and look at them. And so I love to have those around. There's another series of books, Birds Every Child Should Know. And they also have those are vintage, but I think you can find them on Amazon. And they also have different ones like Trees Every Child Should Know. I
0: can see like I'm looking these up as you're telling me them. And I can see that Uh the Birds Every Child Should Know is vintage, but it looks like it was reprinted in 2000. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah, all of us homeschoolers are doing a good job bringing back books that have been out of print and then so many of us want them that they're bringing them back. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So that's a whole series and that's a great book too. Um, So just books that are field guides, but I think field guides that are done in a really beautiful way are really attractive to just, like I said, to have sitting out and the kids flip through them and really enjoy the beautiful illustrations. And that sort of incites an interest and a passion to find those when we go out, or Mm -hmm. if they're not a place that we live near them to just know that they're out there and to learn about them anyways. I think so too.
0: And I think when you're looking for nonfiction books to help nurture that love of nature in your kids, I would, as I'm flipping through them or looking at samples on Amazon or going to a bookshop or a library and flipping through the pages, I think the question I would ask myself is if this was sitting on the coffee table, would I just pick it up and flip through it for fun? What could I see myself getting lost here for a little while? If it's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) encyclopedia-ish and you feel like you just want to get in and get out with information, there's probably a, a book that does it better.
1: Right. Yeah. That's one of the things that I think is that when you, it's very helpful to look at photographs of birds online when you're trying to identify a bird, for example. But when you're flipping through the Golden Bird Book, which is beautiful illustrations of birds from all over the world, it's just a really different feeling. You're captivated by the beauty in a different way. And I think that's why I like to have the practicality of the internet is, and just the vastness of it is so helpful. But I also want to always have these beautiful illustrations created by people who see these animals and plants and create them for us with their own spin, their unique artistic spin. I want to have that available as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Well, we will have links to all of the books that we've mentioned today to Greta's website and her posts, both posts that we mentioned and in the show notes. So if you head to readaloudrevival.com and you look for episode 62, you'll find it all there. Greta you are awesome and wonderful I'm so grateful for you and I am so thankful that you joined me today for this conversation
1: well thanks for having me I can't wait to come back and talk about vintage books yeah we'll do it we'll do it (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get lots of requests too, anyway (laughs) I love you Sarah thanks for having me it's great to be with you now it's time for
0: let the kids speak this is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them.
1: Tell them your name. Axel. How old are you, Axel? Three. Three. And what state do you live in right now? Oregon. Very good. What was the name of the book that you like the best? The Sneeches. The Sneeches. What story inside of that book of the Sneeches was your favorite? The Am I afraid of what was I afraid of? Yes, and what's your favorite part about that book? Little pale green pants. You like the pale green pants? Very good. Okay, now we're gonna have Gunnar come tell us about his book. Very good. Thank you. How old are you? Six. Okay, where do you live? Oregon. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite book? boy and this boy. Why? Because there's a horse and the lion attack. Very good. that's a favorite part of the book? Yes. Do you want to tell anybody else about any parts of the book so that they will read it, they'll get excited about it, and they'll want to read it? Um, the Lion Attack. The Lion Attack. Okay. My get name is Greta. Quick. Okay. How old are you? Eight. Okay. What state do you live in? Oregon. Okay. And what's your favorite book? The Warrior Series. Oh. And what's great about the Warrior Series that you want to tell other kids about? The Wildlife of Cats.
0: Hi, I'm Adeline. I'm three years old. And where do you live? (laughs) In Edmonton. And my favorite book is... Well, I told because they're silly. Good job. Hello, my name is Willow. I'm five years old. I live in Georgia. My favorite book is Elsa and Anna because Elsa makes ice and snow and because Anna is the only one who knows Elsa's secret, ice and
1: snow. My name is Aiden. I'm eight years old. I live in Georgia. My favorite books are the Hardy Boys series because I like mysteries and the Hardy Boys have motorcycles in the boat. They have friends to help me on the mysteries. What's your name? I'm Judah. And how old are you? I'm two. Yes. And where do you live? I'm Judah. And your favorite book
0: is? My favorite my name is mary avanel i am six years old my favorite book is pumpkin pumpkin because it was the first book i read what's your name my name is Ozzy. where do we live we live in
1: georgia what's your favorite book the mixed up chameleon what do you love about the mixed up chameleon that he eats flies okay Hello, my name is Trammell Thompson. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. My favorite book is Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It's my favorite book because it has lots of mysteries, and it's set in the 1890s. What's your name? I'm Peter. How old are you? I'm
0: two. Where do we live? Georgia. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite book? Freda. Brown bear, brown bear. A brown bear, brown bear, what do you see?
1: Yes.
0: How come you like brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? I, do, I love a oh, brown bear. Oh, you bear. love it? Yes, love it. Hello, my name is Ashley. I am nine years old. I live in Baghdad, Kentucky, and my favorite book is Heidi. My favorite part is when Clara comes to the mountains and Heidi says, This is the mountains, and Clara is so happy that she gets to come for a few weeks. Hi, my name is Emma Wessa, and I'm six years old. My favorite book is The BFG because it has funny parts in it. Bye-bye. Thank you, kids. Oh, my goodness. I love those messages so very much. If your kids would like to leave a message for the Read Aloud Revival and be aired on the podcast, all you have to do is go to readaloudrevival.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll see how easy it is to do that. We've also got another button there now, and that's for questions from you, the parents. And what we'll do, and actually your kids can leave questions there too. Basically what we're doing is we're collecting questions for Q&A podcast episodes, and we'll just answer those. Me and my awesome Read Aloud Revival team, Courtney Garrison and Kara Anderson, and myself will answer those questions on an upcoming episode of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you mean the world to us. If you have not grabbed your free Read Aloud Revival book list, what are you waiting for? Go to readaloudrevival.com and grab it there. It's our list of favorite read-alouds that we think will make Reading Aloud just a wonderfully delightful time in your home. We're so happy to put that book list together and you can join tens of thousands of other families who've already grabbed it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of our Read Aloud Revival community. We are grateful that you're here and that you are making meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Until next time, go build your family culture around books mm mm-hmm.